Hey there, it's good to have you back uh, for another Sunday. So glad you're joining us online this morning. It's always a pleasure to see who is joining us each Sunday that we have an online service. Um, we get to head back into our sermon series, Engage. Hopefully, as we talked about engaging God through community, last Sunday you found the, the discussion and the dialogue that I had with, with my wife Mary helpful and beneficial. Um, one of the things that I thought about as I was preparing to share this morning is that during times of distress and uncertainty and confusion, it's even more critical that we engage in spiritual practices and habits that are going to keep our soul replenished and nourished and fed by the Spirit. And so I really think this sermon series is as, it's as important as it ever has been to talk about engaging God through prayer, engaging God through scripture, engaging God through community. And so if you haven't caught the past sermons in the series, I encourage you to check them out by going to our website, alcfohio.org. You can click on this sermon series and listen to those messages as well. Today, we're going to turn our attention to engaging God through experience. Um, <clears throat> maybe you have heard it said before uh, by somebody you know that, man, the Christian faith is boring, or church is boring, or maybe you yourself have thought, had those thoughts, or experienced times in, in the Christian walk where it's just really dry, and it all seems a bit lifeless, and void, and dull. Here's why, one of the reasons why I think this happens to us. Um, often, I think our Christian faith we base it mainly on receiving information, receiving truth. Now, obviously that's really important if we're gonna grow as disciples of Christ, but if we're only receiving information and we're not experiencing the truth in real life, to me, that's where boredom can really set in. And so what we're talking about this morning is really, really critical. People don't just want to know the truth, they want to experience the truth. And I really believe that the younger generation, those who are in high school and those who are now in college, are really desiring and experienced with the truth. If our faith remains in the classroom, that's when it turns into boredom. And so we're going to talk about experiencing uh, God through experience this morning. And if you think about learning any new skill or any new trade or any new vocation, there's always a combination of information and then experience. I think of even, uh, you know, say you're learning to swim. Well, there's things you need to know before you get into the pool, right? Don't drink the water, um, where the shallow end is, where the deep end is, right? Not to run alongside of the pool because the surfaces are wet and you could slip and fall. Um, and you may benefit from some basic instruction on how to tread water, um, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but classroom instruction is only going to get you so far. Sooner or later, you've got to get into the pool and you just have to start 
learning to swim through experience. Um, I think of woodworking. Many of you know that in the, in the last several years I've gotten into woodworking. There are some, there's great information, right, that you need to have before you even get in the wood shop, right? Uh, you should know about kickback on a saw. You should know that you shouldn't wear loose articles of clothing because it might grab you and pull you into the saw. Um, those things are much better to learn through an exchange of information than by experience, right? But if you're truly going to learn to woodwork, uh, classroom instruction is only going to get you so far. Sooner or later, you've got to get into the wood shop and you've got to learn through experience. The Christian faith is no different. Let's talk about that this morning, but first, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you want us to not just know the truth, but you want us to experience the truth. And as we both have information regarding the truth and actually then start to experience it in real life, it has a way of setting us free. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us this morning on how we might engage with you through experience so that we are conformed more to your image so that we grow in our discipleship to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, I want to read to you Luke 10. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 12 and then verses 17 through 20. Uh, what we have here is Jesus creating an experience for his disciples so that they could learn through experience. Uh, but there's also some other components to how Jesus trained his disciples in this passage that I want to highlight, but I really want to spend the most of the time uh, talking about uh, the experience that he provided his disciples. So Luke 10, 1 through 12 says this, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face, into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. And then skipping down to verse 17. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall, uh, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so here in this passage, we, we see Jesus training his disciples through instruction, you know, information, uh, giving them information. We see Jesus training his disciples through modeling experience and then processing. As I mentioned, I just want to highlight uh, these things, but really spend the most time with that experience piece. So first of all, Jesus trained his disciples through instruction. What's interesting about this passage here is that it doesn't come too far uh, after Jesus's sermon on the plain, which in which he really detailed the ways of his kingdom, what his rule and reign was all about, um, how it was an upside down kingdom as compared to the kingdoms of the world, a kingdom full of love and justice and peace and mercy and grace. So Jesus' instruction for his disciples didn't stop with the Sermon on the Plain that's recorded in Luke. Um, it, he gives them basic instructions here in Luke 10, right? Um, he's telling them, hey, the harvest is plentiful, meaning there are going to be people that they come in contact with that are going to receive uh, the disciples' message about the kingdom. He tells his disciples, hey, you are to pray, specifically that there be more laborers that will spread my message um, into these cities. Um, he told them what cities to go to. He told his disciples, gave them the instructions to go in pairs. We see Jesus telling his disciples there's going to be op opposition. Like, I'm sending you out like uh, sheep among wolves, right? We see Jesus instructing uh, the disciples in terms of when they find a pe person of peace to stay with them. Uh, Jesus instructs them to heal the sick, right? Um, and to tell about the kingdom of God. So you have Jesus. He's, he's teaching and discipling his disciples through instruction. So Jesus used that kind of mode of, of teaching. But Jesus didn't stop with instruction. He then modeled the, what he was asking his disciples to do. And so if you look after the Sermon on the Plain, and up until this point, the disciples would have been watching Jesus heal the sick. <laughs> he would, they would have watched uh, Jesus preach about the kingdom of God. Um, they would have seen Jesus doing the things that he was asking the disciples to do. Um, and so Jesus modeled, and, and what, that's such an important part of, of teaching. And then after he's given instructions and after he's modeled what he wants his disciples to do, now Jesus constructs an experience for his disciples to engage in, to actually practice what they've heard from Jesus and have seen Jesus model. Um, the chapter before in Luke 9, Jesus sent his 12 on, you know, his main 12 disciples on a similar mission that he sends here in Luke 10, the 72 on, right? So he constructed an experience for them the chapter before. Uh, earlier on in Luke, you have Jesus 
telling some of his disciples to go into a Samaritan village to prepare his stay there. Um, you read about in Luke 9 as well, you read about <clears throat> his disciples trying to heal a demon-possessed boy and, and, and Jesus allowing them that experience. They weren't able to do it. Um, and Jesus was then able to talk to them about the level of their faith and trust in God. And that was part of the reason why they were unable to, to perform that particular miracle. You have before Luke 10, uh, Luke 9, Jesus giving the disciples the experience of feeding the 5,000. So he allowed his disciples to participate in that. Um, so Jesus routinely gave his disciples hands-on learning experiences. Um, even before Luke 10, you have Jesus allowing them to, his disciples to experience being out in a boat in the wind and the waves really picks up and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. They wake him and these hardened fishermen think they're about to die. And again, he is able to tell them teach them a lesson about faith and it and he calms the storm and the disciples are like who is this man see jesus was always constructing experiences um and we could go on with examples of this but that's what we see here another experience in luke 10 uh, that jesus has constructed for his disciples so they actually have hands-on learning uh, Jesus trained his uh, then disciples too then through processing. So once they had instruction and modeling and once they had experiences, then Jesus processed with his disciples how that experience went. And we see that in our passage here in verses 17 through 21. The disciples, they went out on the mission. They had the experience. They come back super pumped up because even the, the demons that were torturing people were subjected to the power that Jesus gave them. They had authority over demons. And uh, Jesus was then able to share how he sees Satan's power breaking and God's rule coming as they went out on that experience and they healed and they preached the kingdom of God. And then Jesus also tells them as they're processing this experience, he tells them like, look though, be careful. Don't get so prideful because, you know, God used you to do these miracles. Be most happy and, and excited about that you are in the family of God. That's essentially what he is telling his disciples in verses 17 through 21. So what were the results then of this experience that we have in Luke 10? Well, the disciples definitely had a much greater understanding of Jesus's power to liberate and to heal. It's one thing to intellectually know that Jesus is powerful and he has the power to heal. It's a totally different thing to actually experience it for yourself. Your level of understanding goes so much more deeply than just an intellectual kind of understanding when you actually experience it. Experiential knowledge always trumps intellectual knowledge. It just has a way of bringing the reality of what we're being taught from our head to our heart. That was one of the things that happened for Jesus' disciples through their experience. Um, 
And what also happened for the disciples, because they were able to have an experience and then process it, is that their skills to proclaim the kingdom of God and their ability to work with the Holy Spirit to bring healing to people, that actually was being developed. And so they were growing um, not only in the character of Jesus, but they were growing in the competencies of Jesus through experience. And that's what discipleship is, growing in the character and competencies of Jesus. Um, and so what does this mean for us today? If this is how Jesus trained his disciples, what does that mean for us disciples living in 2020? Here's what I think it means. Get your faith out of the classroom. Get your faith out of the classroom. There's a place for Bible studies. There's a place for listening to me talk about scripture on Sunday mornings. But if it stays there and more of just like this intellectual activity, then it's going to feel a bit lifeless. And so I want to, and I want to challenge you to get your faith out of the classroom this week. We've talked about in this series, engaging God through prayer. I want to challenge you to think about how can you engage God in prayer, but also combine that with an experience. Same thing with reading the scriptures. How can you engage God through the scriptures, but also combine an experience with that? Same thing with community. How can you engage God through community, which is an experience in itself, but also combine it with some other experiences? And so let me uh, share with you how this has worked itself out in my own life. So uh, one winter, and I realize many people can't do this because of the nature of their work and their family life. Uh, one of the perks of being a pastor, but I was, uh, since we only work one day a week, of course, right? That's one of the perks. So uh, one winter, I think it was like two years ago, I spent every Monday uh, alone with God in a cabin in the woods. And I combined the experience of being in solitude with Jesus in a beautiful, wonderful place, combined that with prayer, combined that with scripture engagement. And I still, I'll never forget those times. And I think part of it was because I combined ex an experience. Um, it, I brought that into my, my faith and combine that with prayer and scripture engagement. Um, on vacation, uh, one of the last vacations uh, that we took, I uh, had a morning where I woke up before everybody else woke up and I went to the beach and I spent time engaging God through prayer, but it was through the experience of being on the beach, watching the sunrise and seeing the waves roll in. Um, I will never forget that time because again, it was an experience that was combined with prayer and scripture meditation. I've read Jesus's words of not to worry, right? I've read those words and him talking about, because look at how God cares for the flowers of the field. And I've taken walks around my yard and just really looking at the flowers in my flower bed, our flower beds. And just combining that experience can can do something like it brings it from this intellectual activity and really works it deep into your heart i've taken a day to go four-wheeler riding with with jesus and that experience i will never forget um 
when I work out, I love to listen to sermons and it's a reminder to me that I am supposed to be not just physically fit um, as a way of caring for this body God has given me, but I also need to strive to be spiritually fit. And so I'm combining this activity of exercise with engagement with God through uh, somebody else's preaching and, and teaching. And so these are just some practical ways that I find myself trying to engage with God through experience. Another way that I've engaged in experiences, you know, this past week I've struggled with some heightened anxiety. And so I've reached out uh, to my inner circle uh, to ask for a prayer as a way of engaging community, but also engaging in the experience of practicing the one another's in terms of carrying one another's burdens. Um, when I'm working on a sinful pattern of behavior or thinking or feeling that I'm stuck in, often uh, what I try to do is create an experience that is going to allow me to practice the right thinking, the right behavior, the right kind of feeling um, uh, with that certain area where, I, where, I'm, where I'm struggling. And so one theme that has come up repeatedly in my times of prayer in the last two years is love Mary, that's my wife, better, serve her more, lay down your preferences and desires for hers and obviously I'm slow to learning this because it's, it's been two years now and it's just a re reoccurring theme. Um, but sometimes I have to intentionally like, all right, for this evening, I'm going to make it all about Mary. Or this Saturday, I am going to make it all about Mary. I can't, I don't have that posture and attitude of, uh, of heart all the time, but I can construct experiences that are going to help me to practice it in hopes that the Holy Spirit's going to be in that and that more and more the attitude of my heart is just that without thinking. Experiences are really important in that way. And so I want to have you consider what might engaging God through experience look like for you. Uh, perhaps you need to pray while you're doing something you really enjoy, like gardening like going on a four-wheeler ride, like uh, woodworking, um, uh, scrapbooking, crafting. I often think that a lot of people struggle in their prayer life because they're not combining it with something that they enjoy, that they can do together with the Lord. And maybe that's prayer walking. Maybe you love to walk. Maybe you're going to go to the towpath and you're going to do, you're going to pray through, through walking. Maybe you love to golf. I encourage you to golf and pray. Go by yourself. Go be with Jesus. Go golf with Jesus. Uh, golf nine holes, 18 holes, 36 holes, and just do it with him. You can say, uh, you can tell your wife, or wives, you can tell your husbands that Pastor Shane said that I need to go golfing. You have my permission to go do that. If you're reading the passage of Jesus calling his disciples to, to be fishers of men, if you like fishing, why don't you, as a way of experiencing that passage uh, and not just hearing about it and, and reading it intellectually, go fishing. And while you're fishing, think about 
what is it like to catch a fish and how does that relate to being a witness for, for Jesus? If you're reading about Noah's Ark, why not take a road trip with your family and go see the Ark exhibit? Have that experience where you're using all of your senses to engage God uh, through it. Perhaps um, you need to share your grace story with a friend of yours or a person that you care about that you haven't yet uh, as a way of experiencing this passage that we're focused on, right? That was the experience for them, is for them to go and share about the kingdom and then serve the people that they were going to share with. Maybe that's how you need to experience Luke 10. Uh, maybe uh, your paychecks haven't stopped coming in and as a way of loving your neighbor, God is calling you into the experience of using your stimulus money to, uh, or even a portion of it, to give to somebody who, a family that their income has stopped, right? As a way of exp actually experiencing loving your neighbor. If you struggle to love your enemies, maybe God wants you to experience blessing your competitors. Like if you have a business and you have a, biz, a rival business, maybe that's one baby step of an experience that you can engage in that will eventually, uh, the Spirit will use to transform your heart to actually love your enemies. As a pastor, what other churches in Maslin and pastors in Maslin can I bless as a way of creating in me with the Holy Spirit's help a heart that naturally loves my enemies. And then I wanna ask you also too, what would it look like? So that, that's what it might look like for you to engage in experience, uh, to engage God through experience. And surely you can think of probably better examples or better um, ways to do it. I'm sure if you're in a life group, as a life group, you probably could think of some really good ones too. Um, I would ask you, then what does it look like for you to help others engage in experience? Um, if you're a life group leader, maybe this is, this is something that would really be good for you to think about. How do I help my life group members engage God through experience? How, and I, and so, uh, so maybe if you're in a life group, but what about your family? How can you uh, disciple your family through experiences. Uh, we just, we've been able to visit some people in the church here recently by going to their house and then being outside with them and keeping our social distance. And uh, as I was preparing the sermon and then really thinking about how Jesus trained his disciples in Luke 10, I had the thought that I needed to do a better job in regards to discipling my sons who are 10 and seven, Elijah and Isaiah in how to engage God through experience. And I need to construct experiences that are gonna help them grow as disciples. And so as we are on our way to go visit a person in our congregation, I talked to them about Christian community and the importance of it. And I talked to them, so I was giving them instruction, right? And they had seen us model this for sure. I was giving them instruction about, we need to show interest in the people we are going to visit. We're there to serve them. We're there to bless them. We're there to show interest in their, in their lives and, and to ask them questions and to really listen. And then I challenged them. I said, hey, um, when we get there, I want you to ask two questions to the people we are going to visit. 
And when we're on our way home, I want you to give me the answers. Give me the questions you asked and let me know what the answers were. And what was awesome is that after that experience, later in the evening, my wife and my boys were then visiting uh, my in-laws. And I guess Elijah was asking good questions and showing interest in his grandparents' lives without being prompted. To me, like that's a huge win and that happened all in one day. So how can you lead others in engaging God through experience? Um, let me just wrap it up this way. If you were to ask Jesus's first disciples, right? The 12, the 72, if the Christian faith, if they found it boring, they would say, absolutely not. They may say risky, yes. Difficult, yes. Adventurous, yes. Exhilarating, yes. An adventure of a lifetime, yes. Boring, absolutely not. And I think it's because they hardly <laughs> were in the classroom. They were constantly learning through experience. I think for your Christian faith to really be vibrant, to really be full. You've got to experience the truth and not just know the truth. And so I encourage you this week, get out of the classroom. Um, and I challenge you because the classroom's safe. It's comfortable. That's why we stay in the classroom, right? It's safe. It's comfortable. There's not a lot of accountability. There's not much challenge. And even though it's, it's often boring, it's, it's safe. And we would prefer safe a lot of times and have boring than have adventure if it comes with risk. But that's not no way to live life. And so don't let Satan keep you in the classroom. You're never going to have the impact God wants you to have if you stay there. And you're never going to grow the way he desires for you to grow.